live, live. Welcome to another week of League One Fun. Happy uh, pre-Valentine's Day to hey. all, everyone hey. out there. You don't have no. to. Hit, you no, hey, we got to get holidays. We got to get holidays. Come on. <laughs> Shout all out right. to my lovely wife. There we go. I guess I, I should do mine too. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Happy you want to rub it in? Want to rub it in too, Jeff? Go ahead and you shout somebody out too. You know. Well, guess what? My jersey collections are keeping me warm at night. So yeah. So what are you wearing today? Shout you out. Oh, I was I, get you the well, Jason well, Valentine, but no, you well, don't want it anymore. <laughs> Apparently, you already have a Valentine, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. But maybe uh, today maybe. I'm wearing a uh, Low Country representing uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Shout out, Chris. Your 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 boys. The motherland down here. Yeah. Well, we have a uh, we uh, we actually have some preseason games in the books this week. Guys, it, it, it's happening. It's right? happening. Like, the season, preseason games. Real. This is real. It's not like Nisa, right? Like this is actually something that's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, before we get to uh, the results of the, the games and give you the guys a schedule for the week. Uh, as well as other news that we have, um, we'll sh- we'll give up to to uh, Chris here because Greenville had a, a, a nice slew of sli- uh, signings this week. Yes, we did. We actually, I mean, we talked about some of them last week on the show, even the ones that pulled in on Wednesday. But Thursday and Friday, they announced four more players. Um, a couple of them coming from the open tryout, a couple of guys with some connections to Coach Harks. So Carlos Gomez, mil- midfielder from Alguette, Spain, played over in Georgia close by at Young Harris College, 32 goals in 18 appearance or 32 goals and 18 assists in 54 appearances. He's kind of a midfielder forward hybrid. He played both in college. Um, he's got multiple all conference, all academic and All-American selections. And I know that All-Academic sounds maybe tertiary, but for Coach Harks, I know he is really big on character guys, guys that he can stand behind and and represent the brand. So I know that was an important thing for him. Um, Christopher Bermudez, midfielder from Union City, New Jersey, grew up in the Red Bulls Academy, had eight goals in 28 appearances with them. Most recently, Played with Pachuca in Liga MX, which that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big pull um, to get a guy from from that kind of team to come down to League One. Kevin Pollitz, a defender from Morganville, New Jersey. The connection here, he played at Wake Forest with Ian Harks, uh, John Harks' son, and had three goals and 72 appearances there. He was captain, two-time All-Conference, ACC Defender of the Year, also grew up in the Red Bulls Academy, signed a homegrown contract with them in 2018 and spent most of the year on loan with the Baby Bulls. That is New York Red Bulls too, for anybody who doesn't know. And then Omar Muhammad, midfielder from Westerville, Ohio, grew up in the Crew Academy, uh, spent a season at Jackson Junior College, uh, played with Coach Harks in FC Cincinnati in 2016, played with Portland Timbers 2 in 2017, and then played with League 2 side Des Moines Menace last season. So uh, Greenville bulking up, starting to fill out their roster, starting to get a sense of maybe what the starting 11 is going to look like on opening day. 
Can, yeah, can we can we give Des Moines uh, a USL team by, at this point? Because I swear every time I'm refreshing my Twitter account, I see more Des Moines players being signed, whether it's League One, USL Championship, MLS. Get a USL League One team or some kind of a professional team out there. The fans are asking for it. I have seen it on my timeline. They're producing quality players. Just do it. Yeah, they probably. I mean, we're going to have League One teams everywhere, right? Um, uh, eventually, um, I'd like to comment on Pollitt's in particular. I was actually a little surprised that the Red Bulls let him go. Um, maybe it had something to do with the fact that he was a homegrown player as opposed to signed to the USL team. Uh, because I thought he looked pretty good last year. Um, you know, the, the the whole team didn't quite gel, but they had a lot of roster turnover. So I was a little bit surprised that that he wasn't one that they kept, particularly since uh, they lost. Uh, Nadam as well to uh, to FC Cincinnati in the expansion draft. So, uh, so Red Bulls too, you know, lost both of their center starting center backs, which I thought was um, c- kind of weird. And um, yeah, you know, I think it's interesting too because I think both Gomez and Bermudez they're they're interesting because they're young and how young they are. I wonder if some of that isn't uh, with, with the idea that maybe they can develop over the next couple of years and then you know get sold on maybe to an MLS team or. Um, you know, maybe even the championship team, either here in the U.S. or, or say, in, in Europe. Um, I think that, that those are some pretty interesting signings maybe for the future. So it's, you know, the help now, but, you know, potentially the, it's an investment also for, uh, uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, I know Coach Harks has talked a lot about, uh, you know, just the nature of this league. We have some teams, some of the two teams that are going to have, that are going to be really young and really developmental um, you're going to have some teams that are going to have some older veterans who maybe aren't getting the playing time at the championship level. And I think that he and the front office staff of the Triumph have a vision for it to be kind of a mixture of that. Um, having the ability to have some veterans who can then raise up some of the young talent. But I think for for some of these guys, you know, Pollitts and Bermudez in particular, I think it really plays a significant role that these are New Jersey guys and you have maybe the most famous soccer player to ever come out of New Jersey and John Harks calling them up saying, Hey, I want you to come. You think Tim Howard's not a, well, I mean, it's, it's arguable, but I mean, I think John Harks has a lot of, of things that even a Tim Howard would point to and say, Hey, this is the first guy, the first American to ever play in the premier league and came back home to help start Major League Soccer. So I think you could make an argument that he he is the most famous and the most at least influential in terms of young soccer players looking up to him. So I think that that does play a role, though, when you have a guy from Jersey calling these Jersey guys and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits, and I want you to come and, and play for me. So, Chris, do you get a sense of what kind of signings that Greenville's doing? Do you see them – having specific players to fit a system or do you think that he's just getting the best talent available and looking for young talent? Um, he has said on a couple of occasions that he, that character is a one, a one B type thing. So he wants high character and he wants high soccer IQ. Um, he has said he doesn't try to fit players into a system necessarily. And I think he certainly has a system that he likes to run, but he's more he's more looking for the right players that are going to represent the community and the team, uh, and he feels like he can work within that. To but but then even in that, you're going to find 
players that have some tremendous value. I think what you have noticed with Greenville is at least half of the signings that have been announced so far have some tie to him previously, whether it was at FC Cincinnati or, you know, like Pollitz was at Wake Forest with Ian. There's just these connections and these threads. You know, the soccer world is not really all that big. So I think he's valuing, yes, talent and yes, some guys that bring some things to the table, particularly a guy like Jake Keegan, who's playing over in Ireland and just tearing it up. And he sees him on film and, is say, and says, what is this guy doing over there? We need to bring him back to America. Um, but I think there's a lot of I think I think for him, it's more about the right player than it is necessarily about skill development, fitting a certain system. I think all that is secondary to him finding the right people. Yeah, I think that if when coaches are trying to find right people as compared to people that fit a form, it goes a lot better um, because forms should realistically change throughout a game to and from game to game. Uh, And also, you know, it's it's a whole lot easier if you get everyone that wants to be on the bus to take the bus wherever it wants to go. Uh, And I I like that what I'm seeing so far through all the signs that we've talked about a lot of academy kids at some point in their, in their life have come through, um, you know, FC Tucson seemed like they were grabbing everyone that came from Dallas's Academy. Um, but that also is going to go into help out. Um, so the next one that, that we have on the list here, Ira, uh, we're going to leave you speak more about, uh, the Richmond kickers made at least one signing this week, right? Yeah, so they announced one signing. There's still one more that we know that they made that they uh, just haven't announced yet. But uh, they announced Daniel Jackson, who's a a forward winger uh, type. He's pretty pretty pacey. Um, you know, he's another one who he likes to uh, he likes to pass the ball quite a lot. So I, I think there's a theme here building that the the kickers want to possess the ball. They want to they want to control it. Um, he Daniel Jackson likes to kind of play in the channels between the center backs and the outside backs. Um, I'm not sure if he'll need a second striker to play up front with him. And, and, you know, so the, the formation and style will be interesting what the kickers come out with. Uh, he is pretty physical and brave. He likes to go after the ball quite a lot. Um, he actually, you know, we, I wish Phil was here because uh, he used to play uh, two years ago for St. Louis FC. So he has some professional experience. Uh, but since he left St. Louis, he's bounced around. He played in Finland most recently, um, had 10 matches, uh, had 10 matches um, there and uh, scored four goals. So, you know, the, the guy can, um, uh, you know, can score right when he's on the field. So I think, he, you know, he's an interesting signing. I, I, I suspect that, you know, a lot of these signings that we're seeing now, uh, you know, will be more or less the starter. So when you look at the roster right now for Richmond, it looks like they've not quite filled everything out, but that they have, you know, certainly midfielders, strikers, and, and, and guys in the back line. And, and, you know, as we discussed last week, they, um, they have a veteran goalkeeper. So, um, you know, it seems like they're trying to compete here for, um, you know, maybe for one of the playoff spots, certainly. Yeah, so I, the Richmond kickers last year were in the USO championship. Um and I know that we've only, you know, had a handful of signings that we've talked about for them. How many of the players from last year um, are still with the team? And how like how full is their roster as compared to the newer teams that are trying to essentially create a team from scratch, if you will? Yeah, so the, the, the kickers basically did a complete rebuild. There's only two players who... Um, 
who actually are back from last year right now. So uh, Scotty Thompson is one of them, and uh, um, his name name escapes me right now. Um, but oh, Brandon Troyer. Uh, so so those are the only two that that are coming back. I, I don't know how many others are in camp from last year and basically are trying to re re. Uh, um, try to re-get their spot because keep in mind they have a you know a new ownership group came in they have a new coach so in in many ways this is almost like being a brand new team yeah and i, I talked to coach david and uh if you want to hear that interview go ahead and tweet phil and bother him to release it uh he's it's all in his hands right now but what he was saying was because he came into the season so late last year um he wanted a new chance to actually build his team um, so that's why he chose to only resign. I think he resigned three people. I think um, Matt Dolduck is also, or Bolduck is also someone that he resigned. So this is going to be a new opportunity for him to implement his system with the type of players that he wants. So uh, I look at this, even though they had played in the championship last year, as Richmond kind of being a brand new team, right? We look at them like we do a Ford Madison, or we, you know, we look at them as a Greenville, right? These, this is a new team, new ownership, new players. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of players they're going to get. And if it's going to be like we were talking about earlier, players that fit a system or players that fit a mentality. Yeah, uh, for sure. So for those of you who are watching live stream, you'll notice that we are uh, down a host. Uh, Mark is not able to join us tonight. So I will cover uh, the FC Tucson signings that we have. Um, and the first one is actually one that I'm really excited about. Um, I, we have Jose Carlos Teron. Uh, he's a defender, um, but the intriguing part about this is that he spent six years in Barcelona's youth system before he went pro. And he most recently played for Sociedad Deportiva Berenda Beampaile. That's close enough. That's close enough for me. <laughs> Where he had uh, three goals and six assists. Um, the another interesting part of this, and we've seen this uh, with a handful of signings, um, is that he played for Spain's U17 and France's U18. Um, he has a dual citizenship for France and Spain, which is why he played for for both. Um, but I, I, that's just one of you know I think it's a handful of players that have a, have a national teams U17, U18, U23 um, pedigree. Um, and the fact that he's going to SC Tucson is, is a great signing for them. They had a lot of academy players, and I think they're going to do quite well with that. Uh, the next uh, signing that they have is Luis Martinez. Uh, he's a midfielder, he, and he actually played for Tucson back in 2015 so he's a he's a name that most of the fans will know um he had four goals in the 13 appearances he had for for them when he played in 2015 um i believe last season he played for okc energy fc um i i wasn't able to to get the stats in time to see how he was there but definitely having uh, some more experience uh and then coming to league one is, is awesome and he went to uh, Chico State University, where he had eight goals and thirteen assists in in his uh, collegiate career. So, once again, a, a guy that you know can bring it, um, you know, from the championship level level, have that mindset, and hopefully transferred his uh, over well. 
The last signing is Colin Stripling. Uh, he's also a midfielder. He was actually a trialist. Uh, he's from Monmouth University, where he had 15 goals and nine assists uh, in his career as well. And he had a brief tenure last year with the uh, Seattle Sounders U23 team. So we're seeing a lot of quality players coming to SC Tucson. Um, you know, we've talked about teams that are in there to win it. And FC Tucson is definitely one of those teams that are trying to go uh, big this year. And, and also, you know, they're pretty young, so they can make a long run with this. Uh, Jason, do you want to go over the Ford Madison? Sure. Uh, you know, Ford Madison, even on a week where they only had one signing, they still have to do it big, right? Every They, they always do it big. And so this is... Full Mingo. Uh, Yes, going full mingo with this one. And this is probably one of the, the feel-good stories of this league so far. So they signed a midfielder, my boy Vital Nenzia Mana. And if that's wrong, you don't know. So I'm just going to pretend that I said it right. Uh, he's a five foot seven defensive midfielder. Uh, he actually lived in Atlanta and played for Atlanta United Academy uh, when he was 17. He was He's a good kid. Helped his mom out, who didn't speak much English, helped take care of his little brother. And then his mom moved to Texas. Um, he was offered a contract by a Mexican team, uh, but there was a problem with his paperwork. So then he was stuck in a position to, you know, if he stays in Atlanta and just work. Um, and he actually had a family friend he refers to as his godmother who was moving to Wisconsin from Atlanta and said, hey, you should come live with me. I'll help you go to Madison College. Um, and so he did that. And he played at Madison College and then played for Madison 56ers. But like all teenagers, you know, it's it's tough to to abide by rules, especially when you turn into a young man and you hit 21. And so he said the rules that they had and what he wanted to do didn't work out. So he eventually moved out. Um, and then that's when, you know, when you're in college, you start making mistakes. He moved into an expensive apartment, which then made him start focusing on work and less on college. And then he moved into um, an apartment with a girl, his girlfriend that he didn't know, uh, you know, too long. But, you know, happy Valentine's Day. That's what love makes you do. So um, and then his, his little brother also joined him up there. Um, and so they eventually started living in a hotel uh, was paying, you know, the hotel every night. And then the CrossFit games came to Madison, which apparently is a big deal out there. And uh, the, he was not able to stay in the hotel. So at one point he was actually homeless for a little bit. Um, and he was just working two jobs and trying to save money so that he can put a deposit into an apartment so he wouldn't have to sleep in the hotel anymore. So he finally did, saved up the money, got his apartment, um, then he saw that there was a tryout going on and he said, oh, you know what, I'll give it a shot and was the best player um, out of the 50 local players that showed up. There was nothing but rave reviews about him and how he's just a hardworking, all around great player. Um, and he was offered a contract. But the, the feel good part about this, too, is with Madison being a community team and a team that really cares about their community and their players, the stipulation for him signing a contract was he has to finish his college degree at Madison College, which I think is absolutely amazing. So it's it's tough for me to not be full mango at this point. You know, Forge just seems to be doing everything right, giving us these feel-good Paramount picture movies. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great signing. Yeah, Ford Madison this year, they, no matter if they're your team or not, like, they're making it hard to hate them no matter what. Um, 
but yeah, when, when I read that, that was, I didn't know all the details the, that you did, but for sure. Yeah. And then uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying like, and, and I hope that, I, that he has, you know, a, a long and, and successful career, you know, whether, whether it's, it's continuing with Madison or, you know, whether it's, with any of the teams, or I, you know, and I know that he read that he said that this was his last chance. Like he knew that it was this or this or nothing soccer wise for him. So you know, yeah. And there's a there's a great article um, in the Madison 365 by Robert Chapel. Um, so if you guys want to learn more, he did an interview with Vital, and it's just great to to see you know what kind of person he is, and he's a good person and to get an update, his brother's doing better. And as someone who also has a teenage brother, I'm very aware of how annoying that can be. So, and how much patient that requires. So, you know, like, yeah, it's hard not to root for him, right? Even if Ford's not your team, when you see him on the field, it's going to be hard not to root for a kid that, you know, you want to see succeed like that. For sure. And now we're going to go to their, uh, their, their rival. We can call them rivals. Uh, <laughs> Lansing Ignite, uh, they signed Lewis Jones, who's a midfielder. Uh, he yeah. Was, he, yeah. 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 He, he was a standout from uh, Andrew College with 17 goals and 17 assists and 44 appearances. You can't yeah. get much more offensive than that. No. I think, and I don't know if he did that at Andrew or he did that at uh, Spring Arbor University, Go Cougars. Um, but he attended we'll both. We'll just like say he did it at both. Yeah, so exactly. Arbor, he had 34 goals, 34 assists at both colleges. Yeah. A, uh, another Caribbean signing uh, in the league. Uh, he's uh, British Virgin Islands, actually played um, for them. He made uh, two appearances, I believe, for the Nature Boys in 2016 Caribbean Cup. Uh, heard him speak, though, a very strong Liverpool accent, I think it is. My, my English accents aren't extremely specific. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get some uh, chicken curry or we'll have a roti cook-off and see uh, who's, who's more Caribbean out of the two of us. But no, he he's one of those players, like you said, he's he's efficient, right? 17 goals and 17 assists. You can put him anywhere in the field. And like I was talking about last week, I think Nate Miller's looking for players who are versatile that he can put anywhere. Uh, he wants to play what looks like this high-pressing, fast-paced system. And even his quote about him, his, his work rate is impeccable and can impact the game in a variety of ways. That says it right there, right? He He's looking for players that are not – one specific position, players that can affect the the game at multiple positions, players like you were mentioning earlier that can change the style of play depending on what's going on in the game. Um, so yeah, this is a Lansing signing. You know, I, I'm excited to watch Lansing because I think they're just going to have a lot of freakishly athletic and versatile players on the field, and we're going to be seeing formation and and positional changes throughout the whole game depending on you know, what's happening and you might, you know, you never know what you're going to get. So it's going to be fun to see what they put out every week. You know, so much of that will come down to coaching and soccer IQ of the players too, right? Because one of the challenges that a lot of teams have is making those switching things up in the middle of the game. You have to make sure that your players have the soccer IQ in order to do that. Um, so it's even trying to do that at halftime where you have five minutes to explain uh, some of the positional changes that you might take if, if you switch systems. So, um, so coaching is a huge part of that. If that's what they're trying, if you think that that's what they're going to try and do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm excited to see them when they come into, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, it's them in Toronto too. And so far we haven't heard anything from Toronto too. Is, is so it? Far, we haven't heard anything from Orlando <laughs> city either. So, 
Are you playing for Toronto too? I don't. I, I, don't I know. might be like. I might like. Bob Lee might be like, "Hey, look, we have no one to come and play." <laughs> Somebody on the YouTube page is asking who the villains of League One are, and I'm pretty certain it's the teams that are not doing anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, be villains, though. I mean, like, like villains. Like you, you, you have to hate them. They have to do something for you to hate. Like the, the teams that really aren't doing anything are like more of the forgettable side actors. Like they're there, but like no one really knows that they're there. If, if anything, I would say if you're not a Ford fan, it might be Ford just because they are doing everything right and you're just waiting for them to slip up or, you know, say something or have a have a bad jersey or bad signing or something. And it, it's not happening. So, so, it's like the, so, so Ford is, a, is the love them or hate them. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now? Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the prom kings until, you know, somebody else throws a perfect game i don't i don't see any flaws in them right now when you have usl league one uh putting an article out about say about uh ford madison saying that they're the they're the team that you're going to want to love like yeah like they're they're the team that, like the second they do anything wrong everyone's over them mm-hmm. so um just on on you know, we haven't heard a lot media-wise from Toronto, but uh, you know they do have a roster. Um, so they have an, uh, a number of academy guys who have come up. They've signed um, some others. It's just that you know they 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 haven't made big splashes about it like a lot of the other teams um, that that aren't two teams. But yeah, you know, I, I feel like Dallas has been doing it a little bit. Um, you know, more of the the hybrid approach, right? A two team that's acting more like a. Uh, an independent team, and it seems to me that that if to get fan engagement and to you know get people really excited to have the the team play, that that's what you have to do. And I, I'm I I wonder if there's a um, if that's just not a priority for both Orlando and Toronto and for their two teams. Yeah, for what it sounds like is that they're just looking to put their academy players and players who aren't going to be starting um, for their professional team in a league to get some minutes. Yeah, it seems that way, but it's still kind of hard to get excited, right, about right. about even those players. So you, you go to a lot of the other two teams, like Sounders 2 or Los Dos or, or the Red Bulls, and, you know, they, they treat the, the players on the second team um, like they're going to be on the first team. So they make media appearances, like everyone gets very excited when, when they're around. Um, and, you know, that's both good for the players as well, because if you think about it, if you're one of these academy kids coming up as a – U17, U18, uh, you get your first professional minutes on a two-team, but then all of a sudden, because of injury or something else, you're asked to play on the first team, and suddenly you're in the media spotlight and everything else. You're you might not be prepared for that. That can be a big jump for um, you know for a kid. I mean, imagine you know if you're 17 years old and the next thing you know you're doing a media interview, you've never done one before. You know that 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 could be rather daunting and and could wind up uh, you know potentially harming someone's career if they kind of mess that up. So um, I, I think it it should not only like these two teams if they're going to be used properly should be used as a sounding board uh, the same way for the whole professional player experience, not only as you know the most senior part of the academy. Yeah, and it's also hard for the fans to get into it because you don't really know the players, right? You can look at stats and you can hear look at research but you don't actually know them and so one thing that you know lansing does that's really cool is they have a player takeover for their instagram accounts and you know social media and that gives the fans a chance to kind of see 
you know, the personality of their players and how they act off the field and gives you more of a connection to your team. And so right now, if you just aren't announcing your roster and you're not really doing any kind of showcases or articles about your players, it's going to be tough for fans to go to a game and feel like they're connecting to this team and to these players because they don't really know anything about them. Yeah, and it's definitely hard when you look at the other teams uh, and they're they're doing as much as they can to grow a community. Um, even even I mean we we've talked about the whole Chattanooga thing. Even if it's trying to win a community over as compared to like uniting, but they're still trying to be community like community accessible. Um, you know, uh, Greenville it was Green was it Tormenta that was doing the dollar uh, yeah Tormenta. So like when you're seeing every other team around you trying to do something to say hey look we have soccer give us a chance or we have soccer you know let's let's rally around the community it's a it's, it's a fun thing to do and then you have these teams that hey, and it's only two teams and it's they do have mls um teams there but it's it, yeah it's definitely hard to get support for them it's definitely hard to figure out you know even if it's like a friendly, like, do we like them? Do we hate them? Even if it's us trying to figure out who they're signing or, you know, what they're doing. Um, this is a great segment in there for the preseason games that were today. Um, so the first one I had on my list was um, Orlando City B versus Tampa Bay Rowdies. I looked on Orlando City B's account or their Twitter account. I looked on the site. You couldn't tell there was a game. Now, I didn't really expect... Tampa Bay to put anything out there because I was trying to find something for there, but it's almost like they didn't have a game today. So I have no idea what the what the score was if they even had the game, and that gets kind of frustrating after a while. Is you know just no communication one way or the other. Yeah. Tell Gooch and you to step it up, start getting active on social, and start building the community. That's that is the villain of the league right now. It's Gooch and There it is. <laughs> We have a villain. We have two villains. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as I was talking about the uh, the preseason games, uh, so there was a, a handful today. Um, the Tampa Bay, Orlando City, for all we know, it was a 90 to 90 game. Like, I have no I, I have no clue on that one. So uh, the, the Rowdies won two to one. Thank you. The, the Rowdies Twitter seems to be way better than Orlando City B. All right. So. Uh, the Rowdies won, so Tampa Bay is the better Florida team right now. My carpet has a more better Twitter than uh, Orlando City <laughs> B. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next one was there was uh, Tormenta and Georgia Southern University. Um, I was running a little bit late today, so I didn't get to check up and see if there was an official score for that one put out. Um, as of like four o'clock, I didn't see anything, but I don't know. Um, the, the next two, what? Yeah, I don't think they posted anything. Okay, okay. Uh, then the next two that I have one is North Texas FC versus Swift Park. Uh, Swift Park uh, won the game 2 1. I got a couple of notes from that though. So the, the scoreline doesn't really tell the story. Um, okay. So Eric, Coach Eric Quill had that team pressing. And that's how they scored the first goal. And North Texas looked good. Uh, apparently dominated the game. 
Uh, you know, they scored that goal based off of pressure, and then they came out in the second half, made some subs, and they played bad for 10, 15 minutes, and that's all it took for a team like Swope to come take over. Um, and then it was difficult for them to get their groove back. But for, you know, people who are interested in seeing, you know, what kind of a system and what kind of form that uh, North Texas is going to play, it might be pressing because that apparently was working well for them and they possessed the ball extremely well in that first half. That's, def- that, that's definitely interesting. You know, hopefully they can keep that up. Um, one note uh, before I go with the list. The preseason games aren't streamed anywhere unless there's someone in the stands putting it on Periscope or FaceTiming it to their friends, whatever. So, yeah, um, hopefully whenever we get a score, sometimes we're not going to have information um, unless Jason was <laughs> everything, um, which which is, is a sort of a disadvantage because I definitely would have liked to uh, at least catch a little bit of, of the games to see these teams. Um, but the next, the next one is... The uh, Birmingham Legion against Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, Chattanooga lost three to one. Yeah, but Chattanooga, the tweet they sent off at the end of that game confused the heck out of a lot of people. A lot of people thought that Chattanooga had won the game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's running their social media account, but that you got to be a little more clear on your final score tweets. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I said. I said it was the best. It was the best way to fire off a tweet when you actually lost, but didn't want people to know you lost. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to be fair, I did see that tweet, and I was like, "Well, I don't know how they're referencing it, so I'm just going to start looking backwards." That's what I had to do. Yeah. And they they did the same thing for a while until I saw mm-hmm. that at halftime. I think it was uh, Birmingham had it was like a two nothing or two one lead. I was like. Ah, that's who won. Yeah, and it's something interesting. Um, don't know if they'll stick with it, but Chattanooga played a four-three-three today. So I just want to throw that out there. I am so proud of you. This is why you're my Valentine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's for for a team that that looked like they were focusing on a lot of attacking players. I was surprised to see four in the back. It's it's preseason. They're warming yeah. up. That's yeah, you could, you could also you could also play four in the back if the other six press high, right? That's one of the reasons yeah. why you play that. You know, you you risk sometimes a counterattack if if you press really high. Like if you look at a lot of the Dutch teams, for example, that's uh, kind of how they traditionally had played uh, is kind of pressing five or six forward, and then you have the four in the back to kind of cover. So you don't push up your fullbacks, right? If you if you play a four three three and then push up your fullbacks because your your midfielders are very narrow. That's when you create all that space in the flanks, and and uh, um, you know if you if you're going against a pacey winger, you can be in trouble. So it, it really depends on the system that they intend on playing. Hey, if, if they're pressing too, I'm all for this. Every team in this league high pressing. Let's let's get it. Let's do some high pressing counterattack in soccer. I'm with it. Alrighty, so that was the ones that I had for today. Um, I know that on the 16th. Um, Atlanta 2 is taking on uh, Tormenta um, and then uh, that's, that's the a local, local derby right yeah I, I, I'm interested in that game That that's going to be because like I, like I said I think Tormenta is flying under the radar you don't sign 11 of your guys back and have that chemistry and already have everything together and I think they're kind of purposely doing it right like they a lot of the stuff that they put on social media is more about their players 
you know, spending quality time together and the boys are back in town. And yeah, I think they're, they're I'm, I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it. I think they're going to come out the gates hot. I think Tormenta is going to be a, a problem for a lot of teams who have all these new players and have never played with each other to deal with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the kickers are playing uh, VCU um, that day as well. That'll be interesting. They have a couple of people in camp, I think, and, and certainly one signing who played at VCU. So it's kind of like a, a homecoming. So interesting scrimmage there. Okay. Um, February 20th, I have it as FC Tucson um, versus the New York Red Bulls. But today I also had it as FC Tucson versus Sporting Kansas City. And apparently it was Houston. So uh, don't quote me on that one. Um, but. Don't trust Jeff. Don't, All right. uh, <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't trust Google. Don't, yeah. trust, don't trust Google for things. Um, so that'll be the ones leading up to the show next week. Um, just remember, guys, no streaming of it. So we're going to rely on Jason to give us all the details for all the games. Yeah, Winalda's already mad that these aren't on MLS's website. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so before we get into some questions and some and some off topic things that we have, uh let's get into some news here. Um there's three pieces here and I don't I know which one I, I don't want to talk about. So we're just gonna kinda <laughs> forget about that one for right now. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll go through, and it, this goes back to the Ford Madison Lansing thing. It goes back to the nice uh, rivalry part, and also about the community. Um, so Lansing, who uh, already has one of the uh, most amazing kit makers here, so I can't wait to see what their their kit's gonna look like. Um, but they finally have a main sponsor. They've partnered with. Uh, the local credit union, so the link, the link, uh, I can't, why can't I say Lansing today? Lansing Area Credit uh, Credit Union um, through the 2023 season, so that's a four-year deal. Um, once again, it's about being in the community. Um, good way to support you know, your local soccer team and have your soccer team uh, support your local community. Uh, and, I, and I hope to see that more. Um, you know, I, I know that there, there are lots of places that are trying to have somewhat local areas or local businesses, um, whether it's a, a minor support, whether it's major support, whatever. But that's definitely one of the things that I like seeing. Um, the other thing that I'm, I want to talk about is speaking of Ford Madison and their community, um, Daryl Scholl uh, was, was speaking uh, to USL League One and he was saying that he wants uh, to compete for a title year one. I mean, I think that everyone does, but um, he really wants to wants to get this going. Everyone here. but Toronto and Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The uh, so the eight teams that are active in uh, League One so far uh, obviously want to win, but um, he wants to win it. Wants to have one first for the fact of bringing the state of Wisconsin and the city of Madison together having it as a uniting thing. Um, and also is the he it's it would be the first uh, if they win, when they win, uh, would be the first uh, professional sports franchise 
um, in a decade um, in Madison to win anything. So a decade from this year moving forward, but I mean, I, that that obviously would be special. That's that's obviously some a great thing to uh, have the community into. Um, Coming from someone that's in a city that went a long time without seeing a championship, when Atlanta United were playing well and looked like they were the best bet to win a championship, it turned the city into a soccer city. So no matter what your branding is, no matter what your marketing is, the thing that puts people in the seats is winning. So yeah, if if Ford Madison puts out a competitive team and they look like they're going to win the city's first title in over a decade, that's going to put people's attention into paying to go see them or watching them. Um, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we, we've talked about, and we're, we'll still talk about it for, for probably years to come about the community aspect of these teams. And that that's all fun and great. And I know that they know that's all fun and great. But at the end of the day, if your community is going to sit there and watch the team, whether it's on, you know, whether they have tele- televised games, whether they're going to watch it for streaming, but not come out, that doesn't do that that much for the team, um, because there's no there's no revenue coming in to keep the stadium up and running, to keep players in, all that. Um, so, I, I it's really hard for like, as we talked earlier to, for us to hate Ford Madison um, with, with their signings and with things like this, but it's it's really hard to to really hate any of the teams so far based on what they're trying to do with the communities. And I, I, I don't know if how we, how we'd make that a staple. I don't know if you can make that a mandate with teams, but as we expand teams, like I really wish that it goes more toward the eight teams that are active and trying to do something for the community and not the other two teams where it's, they're kind of off the radar and they'll show up to play a match. And that's the only time you'll see or hear from them. Yeah, I think every I think teams are in in the league for different reasons, right? You see some that, like I said, might be just trying to get their kids minutes, and you've got others that want to build a community within the town that's been begging for a professional sports team to come in and have success and have a place to have fun. Um, so yeah, it, when as the league grows, um, I think you'll see more teams come in the league and fall into those two categories, right? You might have USL championship teams that come in and look at this as a farming situation for a team that might be, you know, MLS, or you have teams that, you know, have been wanting a professional team in their city forever, and now they're getting one. And so that's where you're going to see the support are going to usually go to the people who organically want a team in their neighborhood and don't already have one. Yeah. Do, do we think that something like League One is an opportunity for some other uh, to do a, what an FC Tucson Phoenix Rising kind of thing, where you you find a community that's not quite served well by professional soccer, and uh, you know an MLS team comes in and says, well, you know maybe we'll start our second team, you know, two hours from our training facility because we could still play matches and we can still do a lot of the fan engagement there. And uh, and at the same time, use it as our second team. Um, you know, it seems to me that that there's not uh, you know most MLS teams now have two teams, but there's a few that don't, or there's a few that could relocate potentially and do something like uh, uh, like what what Phoenix and Tucson are doing. Yeah, 
I feel like I like that's definitely a viable option. Um, and and I feel like you know even if it's not um, a major league team that's that has that is getting a two team, if it if it's just you know someone that sees a community that's really craving for for something, and it doesn't have to even be soccer, but you know they're, they're craving for something to get people behind, and they they create you know whether it's a league one team, whether it's you know whatever team that you want in there, um, it's. And they're winning, and they're getting the crowd, the crowd involved. Everything like that—that's going to be definitely more beneficial. Um, I think that we've seen in the past couple couple weeks, um, especially on the on the national side of you know when you sign that deal with the MLS, how it doesn't always go the way that you want, even if it's not something that's you know going to turn the league upside down. But just how much power the MLS has over you, and then how much the team the MLS has once you're inside there. You know, some people can get turned off by that, but can have a, a two team where, or a league one team where it's you know it's it's just fun to be around, and, and that can really grow a community. I'm curious. I, I would like for fans to tweet at the account or tweet me. What would you want to see your team do? Would you rather see them stay as kind of their own independent thing and grow within the rankings and maybe getting a USL championship team? And, you know, if getting the attention, if it grows big enough for MLS, so you guys have your own team, or would you rather have a team come in that's a MLS two team to where, you know, okay, well, at least we have a team and at least I might get a chance to see, you know, professional players from MLS who are coming back from injury and need a couple games or, uh, or waiting to get traded, or for whatever reason, they might drop down. I'm curious to see how people will go about that. Because me personally, I'd rather see that team come in that we're just our own community, we're our own team, and I don't, I don't want to be involved with the higher leagues unless we're going to be that team in the higher league. I can, I can just speak as a fan of one of the brand new ground up teams in the league. And I think I'm more inclined to say, like, I appreciate what Greenville has done in terms of being independent. Um, I definitely would not want to be a MLS team or even a USL championship team coming in and putting together a two team or a B team or a reserve team or a U23 team or whatever you want to call it. But I would not, I would be open to a more affiliation type arrangement what what a charleston had with atlanta united in their first year what the charlotte independents have had with the colorado rapids in the past not so much a being dictated to from on high of this is how your team is going to be run but more hey if we have guys that we want to see get some more playing time we're willing to loan them down um in the hopes that you know Somewhere close by, like, for example, a Greenville that's right here, you know, if there was a, like the Charlotte Independents or North Carolina FC that are relatively close by said, hey, we have some players that we want to continue to develop, but we just don't have the way for them to break into the first team for them to be able to reach out and say, here's a, here's a team close by that maybe they could go and get some playing time. So proper Um, loans basically is what you're talking about. Similar to what what Matt Miazga is doing right now and with Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a better setup than than a uh, an ownership of a League One team by a higher division side. More of just a working relationship and affiliation. And I th- we'll see that too, right? Because Forward Madison has their affiliation agreement with Minnesota, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the 
course of the season. Yeah, for for sure. And, and we have um, for with BGN, we have a a writer that's going to cover Ford Madison. So that'll be one of the things uh, we're hoping to bring her on for a couple episodes here and there throughout the season. Um, but that'll definitely be one of the questions to to ask her and to have her keep us updated on is how that relationship's going. Um, so for, for sake of time and also because I don't want Jason's head to explode quite yet, we're going mm-hmm. to skip uh, the other the other news because we'll just lump it in with other stuff at a later date because, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> it, <laughs> It's a yawn fest to even talk about for right now. So it is, it is. Percy guaranteeing that Ford Madison's going to win a championship and then he's calling another team a yawn fest. So, someone's trying to take the uh, spicy soccer title away from me. Uh. But no, no, no. So you said I'll, when Ford Madison I'll, wins. When? It's, it's inevitable. When? When? Theoretically, every team can win. <laughs> Not the tier, but theoretically every team can win. Um, so I'll glaze over it. Um, we will, at some point, once all 10 teams have their uh, jerseys revealed, we will do a ranking, whether it's on the show, whether it's through the account, but we will do a ranking of the jerseys. And I can tell you for certain that in the bottom three will be the two teams and the Red Wolves brand new kit. Not not the practice kit. They're every game home and away kits. Just in, in case you're not watching the live feed, these are the words from Jeffrey. Uh, me and my J.W. Kelly bourbon have been quiet on this manner, and we will remain quiet until it's time for us to do our jersey rankings. I'm Jason Weintraub. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we have to do them on the show. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, no. If you want to see them, uh, check out their, their Twitter account. Um, if they have an Instagram, I didn't check if they have an Instagram, but if they do, check it out. It'll be on there. Or you can fork out 90 bucks and just buy one. That's right. I totally forgot that it was that expensive. Hey, so, isn't it eighty nine ninety five? Save that nickel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like if, if you want to spend $90 on a, on a Yawn Fest, like, I, I don't really know, like, what you can do, but don't spend it on on those jerseys. Again, I'm running low on JW Kelly, and boy, is it tasty and refreshing. So I am going to stay quiet and sip on that. <laughs> hey, but I mean, if the Red Wolves want to send us some swag, we'll, we'll <laughs> proudly display it. I'm pretty sure I'm off that list now. <laughs> but but that is all right because you know I wasn't going to bring this up. I was going to be nice about it, but since Jason just has to go there. The assembly line, the assembly line, uh, their store has had their grand opening. And if you uh, go on before 11.59 on February 22nd and enter the keyword grand opening, you get 10% off everything. So your whole order, you can put as much as you want. You get 10% off as long as you use grand opening. But that's for assembly line, which is Lansing Ignite supporter group. And let me tell you, their uh, supporter package is pretty, pretty good. That was a good ad read. <laughs> <laughs> that that said, 
I'm still curious about what all the other jerseys and all the other uh, fan gear is going to look like. I mean, we know the uh, Madison Scarfs that they don't send to us, even one. Uh, I but, got space. Uh, all I right, got space back here. Yeah, like, like, look at this. Like, he has space. Like, I have. I, I should hang mine up. But I mean, we we all like. If you just send one, you can pick one of us. We we will display it properly. That goes for every team. Even if Toronto and uh, Orlando, every team. Look, you could be featured on League One Fun right back here on the on the background, live and in full streaming color. I know uh, Richmond is getting ready for their home kit reveal. They're going to use the same away kits, so they're only going to have one new kit this year. Hey, I'm just going to say Greenville Triumphs training kits look better than the Chattanooga Red Wolves regular kits. I'm just. I never thought I'd see the day where everyone is just more spicy than me. I don't know if it's Valentine's Day and I'm feeling a little sweet, but wow, y'all are going at it tonight. Good hey, Lord. When, when your wife's hospital is the sponsor for the training <laughs> kit, you just you got to pump that stuff out. Come on. Fair enough. All right. All right. Uh, so we'll get to a couple questions here from, from the guys. Uh, well, from all the fans uh, that came in. The first one is from, from Yogi McLovin. And Yogi uh, asked, what team do you think will have the best stadium atmosphere? I, I think Tor- Tormenta has to be in the hunt for that. I mean, it seems like their fan base is really, you know, getting up for things and, and uh, there's, they have really good engagement with the, uh, with the front office, but you know, they, there's a couple that are in the running though. And I'm sure Jason's going to say forward is one of them too. Well, when you're selling tickets for a dollar, you better have a ba- dang bang-up atmosphere. You better pack that thing to the gills, man. Yeah. Uh, living in SEC nation, dollar tickets with the SEC boys, yeah. It's, uh, well, I mean, Georgia Southern's in our division, Sunbelt. But, yeah, regardless, in the South, dollar tickets, yeah, it's going to be rowdy. But, actually, I'm not going to say Ford. Uh, I give Ford a lot of love, and I do think Ford's going to have a great atmosphere. I think they're going to do everything cool from having inflatable – pink flamingos you know in the supporter section and i think it's going to be fun but i'm looking at lansing just because of the type of supporters they have right like if you look at the social media and you look at the stories these are people really dedicated to the game and really want to see their team shine right even with the trash talking going on already for michigan state in the capital cup like this is i think that's going to be an intimidating place to go because yeah you have you know, dollar tickets, and yeah, you have more of a family atmosphere. But when you look at those supporters, I think they're going to be rocking, and they're going to try to make it as tough as possible for other teams to come through. A lot of smoke too. They they like smoke out there, so I, I think it's going to be a, a fire, as the kids might call it out there. I think I think early on in the season, I think you're more likely to see a more raucous atmosphere from the brand new teams, just because they're coming into an environment where fans are potentially hungry for it. Um, more hungry than a team that's moving up or moving down. And, and I'm not saying those atmospheres won't be raucous in, in some argument you could say, Hey, they've got the track record. They know what they're doing. Um, but I do think there's a sense of, you know, the Greenvilles, the Madisons, the Chattanoogas where, and arguably there are other teams in some of those cities, but to, to have a new team and a new league come in, I think there is a, a, a thing to be said that some of those environments could be really raucous, especially early on. 
And especially whichever one of those teams probably starts winning, right? You get on a, a mm. roll where, you know, maybe you go undefeated your first four matches, you're like three, the oh and one or something, and you can imagine the fan base just getting really up for that too. Yeah. Right? Those, and it's gonna be one of these teams will probably do that also. Those five people in Orlando will go crazy if they come out the <laughs> gates and start winning for nothing. <laughs> They're going to so, go wild. Well, well, no. See, see, all the fans of the senior team will all say, "Hey, just get rid of everyone and have these guys uh, move up." That actually brings up a good point. I tweeted it earlier this week, but I did see that if you are an FC Dallas ticket holder, you get admission to all the North Texas games for free with your season tickets, and that I applaud. That's exactly what you need to do when you have a team that is an affiliate of MLS or a higher up team. Sure. Just send Will sure. Johnson down to Orlando City B. That'd be entertainment enough for I, me. I, that, that's it. Yep. I'm in. <laughs> are, they doing, are, are they having any double headers, do you know? The North Texas? Yep. And uh, I think they have four of them. Yeah. And, so that yeah, worked. North- if the timing works right, that worked really well when they uh, launched Red Bulls 2. So they, they did um, a number of the games were double headers. So you could go to the Red Bulls game at 5 o'clock and then the Red Bulls 2 would kick off at 7. So. You actually had a fair number of people who stayed for the for those games, yeah. um, and um, yeah, you know the concessions became an issue at some point because I think they closed too many concession stands. But they, uh, but ultimately that, that that's a good way to you know really meet the kids, right? You want to see the kids and you want to play the kids. That's a great way to do that. So yeah, Dallas uh, might be doing it right there. Learn from New York's mistakes and keep that beer flow in Texas. <laughs> All right, so uh, Steve Shannon. Uh, asked a question there. He was saying, um, essentially, uh, what it boiled down to was, uh, if there's going to be 40 teams um, in USL Championship, and let's say we get to 40 teams in League One, is that too many teams overall, or in both leagues? And you know, how would that how would that work, especially if teams go up and down? Because you know, let's say let let's say at some point Pro Rail gets evolved. Or the money situation where teams can go up or, or, to, or go down. It's not going to be an equal number. It's not going to be like five up, five down. How many is too, too many in one league? Is it sustainable? What do you guys think? I think there's I think there's plenty of markets right now that you can look at and say, hey, there's a lot of expansion potential. Um, I think I heard yesterday on a podcast the some of the Triumph guys talking about the league just unofficially has already been thinking towards almost 18 to 20 teams in year two for league one. But I think my opinion is that at least half of the teams that we add between year one and year two will be teams coming down from the championship. I don't think it's realistic or sustainable that you're going to have 40 teams in USL league one, 40 teams in USL or USL championship. And then probably 30 to 32 in MLS. I just, I don't think there's that much market share for that, that level of professional, that many professional teams in, in a sport that yes, while it's really growing, growing fast, I just, I don't think that that's realistic. Yeah. And I think it'll only work in pro row. Um, You start putting teams, there are markets where you look at like Norfolk in uh, Virginia they are like a top 10 soccer viewing market every week when it comes to premier league games. And so 
you put a team there, there has to be an incentive though, right? You can't just put teams everywhere. Owners aren't going to want to spend money, especially out of their pocket, if they do not see that they can get to the cream of the crop and get a whatever it is, expansion fee for getting in and whatever the TV rights are. I don't, yeah, so I only see it happening at ProRail. And even if ProRail does happen, I think 40 is too much. I think you would have to cap it off at, I'd say maybe 30, 25 even. I think, I think 40 is just pushing it. I think too many teams would fold if you have that many. Well, something like 30 could be interesting just because you could have, you know, 15 in the East, 15 in the West or, or, or have a central, right. And you can try to have some kind of, um, with 30 teams, you could probably have a pretty balanced schedule, right. Where you play each of your teams in your, uh, division, uh, once, and then you play, uh, each team in the other division, uh, excuse me, t- twice in your own division and then once in the other divisions. I, I think that that's, you know, 30 seems reasonable. 40 might be aspirational. Um, but you do have, you know, keep in mind, we have a huge country and we have a lot of smaller media markets that are underserved by professional sports in general. Or if, like they have a, another professional sport, it's like, you know, single A baseball or something like that. And um, so, you know, as, assuming soccer continues to grow uh, compared to some of the other sports in, in the U.S., which have, um, you know, somewhat of a decline or stabilization in their fan bases, then it seems to me that that you probably could have, you know, 70 teams maybe between the two leagues and then another, you know, 30 or 35 teams in major league soccer. And that, that's, you know, it's not crazy, right? I mean, a small, smaller country like England has, has 80 teams. Now, granted, they have a hundred year head start on us uh, in terms of having a professional system, but it, it doesn't seem out of the question. I, I think it's not the kind of thing that's going to happen in the next 10 years. Probably it's probably more of a very long-term vision. Yeah, I think that's a good caveat because I think I think you know we as soccer fans, we obviously want the sport to grow, and I think in America we have this tendency to let our eyes get bigger than our stomachs and just want to like run. We want to get to the end result right now, um, and I think I think especially for the long term success and viability of the sport and the health of the sport in the country that it's important that we take our time. I think that's why honestly the way league one has rolled out, I think has been really good. It, it has been quick in a sense, but at the same time, it's not been as fast as FC Cincinnati finding out a month ago that they're going to be an MLS team and they don't have time to get authentic kits to wear this season because reasons. Um, I, I think it's important that I, I do think it's important that the league and USL as a as an organization just pace themselves and not get not get too antsy about it. And advice to new teams: don't try to copy Europe. Come in with your own style. Come in with the American background, the roots. We're not Europe. Do your own thing because when you're trying to pretend to be someone you're not, and you're trying to imitate a style that's like you said had a hundred year head start, it's not going to work out. I think that's what makes Ford you know, such a success story because they're doing what they want to do and what is, you know, pretty much what the city represents. And that's kind of what I would look at as the target. If you're a new team coming in, do what Ford's doing. Don't just come in and feel like, oh, okay, well, it's structured this way in England. And there, it's a different audience. It's a different mindset here. 
I want to see more team names like an MLS when we have like crew and union. I want Sporting Kansas City to go back to Wiz. Like I, that's what I like, right? That's what we grew up with. That's how American sports works here. We have ridiculous names. We have ridiculous logos, but we have fun and we want to make this our own league and our own sport. We don't want to imitate other people. So that's just my personal advice. So, so speaking of pacing and and speaking of winning uh, championships and things of that nature, um, if you had to pick between winning now versus building, um, you know, one, which what would you pick, and then also, how how do you feel that those two mindsets affect uh, not only fandom but also the competitiveness of your team? So, like, if if I give you a team right now. And you can take, you know, any any players that you wanted. That that part necessarily doesn't matter for this example. And say you get to pick one style. Do you want to win now, or are you a building team? Um, which one are you taking? Why? What's your pros and cons? Well, if you look at the league now, I think it depends a little bit on your situation and the politics, right? Chattanooga is building a team to win now, and I don't care what anybody says. They can say that they're building or anyone else because their fans can say they're trying to win now. They went out and have 10 internationals on their team. This is and these 10 international twos, they're not they're not younger players, right? These are players that are 29, 30 years old. They are trying to win now and that's because they have the pressure to when you come into you know a town that already has a team when you have this pressure to where you need to have good attendance in order to have justification to build that stadium downtown and spend all that money so i think it varies right it depends on the team and their situations when you're a two team or when you're a team that has a lot of hype right now and you know that there's not too many professional sports in the area and you can get the community to get behind you then you you should still try to win obviously your first year but it's a little less pressure right more people want to see this grow into a bigger thing chattanooga doesn't do it early i'm not saying it will happen but there's a chance that you know they might not be around long it, it really depends on them and their success in that first year i truly believe that so yeah as a gm i kind of have to look at my situation and go okay if i need to win now then yeah i'm going out getting international players getting experienced players trying to win now so then once i get a new stadium once i get the fans that want to come because we are winning that in itself will give me longevity but until i get that longevity I'm going to win now because this is the only time that I know that I actually have with this team. And I think that's the, the tension always in professional sports is there's, there's the business side that yes, this is a long-term investment. This is a, whether we like it or not, it, it, they are businesses. The people that own these teams are in it to make money, to be successful, to have this be a long-term investment, but the competitors and the competitive side of the team is always going to be win oriented just because there's so much turnover in these lower leagues. A lot of these guys, like we talk about, this is their last opera. This might be their last opportunity, or it might be their first opportunity. And either way, they're going to be highly, highly motivated to do everything, everything they can right now to win. So it's, it's, it's a tension. It's a tension between both sides of the organization. I I think if, your goal right now, if you're a brand new team, or even if you're, you know, a Richmond, um, you know, the the oldest professional soccer team still still playing today, I, I think 
the first thing you want to do in a brand new league where you really don't know what the competition is going to be like because you know you don't necessarily know all the coaches you don't know all the players you don't know the rosters you can't do video work like there's just a lot of things that are are big question marks it's do enough to make the playoffs and then make that run you know so i mean we do have a playoff system so you know the, the fact is make the postseason that's the first thing and then from there you can worry about the last two games to win the title um, it's, you know, being the, that top four, that's, that's gotta be your goal right now, as of right now. And then you worry about, as it looks like you're going to make that goal, then you start to worry about, you know, are we going to lift the trophy or not? Yeah. Uh, good stuff tonight, guys. Good, good stuff. Uh, we still had some stuff on the table, but for time's, uh, sake, we'll, uh, we'll get to it next week. Uh, thanks everyone for watching the stream, listening in. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Uh, make sure if you need a scarf and you're not getting them from one of the supporter groups, you get to roughneckscarves.com and pick up that scarf today. Uh, is there anything else uh, before we get out of here? Any any last-minute uh, things anyone has? Since I've been giving advice today, I just want to mention that I watched an interview with Stephen Beatty of Chattanooga, and... Um, he was actually contacted by Chattanooga by his DMs. So with Valentine's Day tomorrow, and if you're a soccer player, you know, maybe you uh, keep those DMs open because you uh, never know who's going to be slotting in them. I think we found uh, the title of this episode, a.k.a. Future Shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank, thanks for hanging out tonight. Thanks for... Uh, joining in live uh, if you're listening on the podcast thank you once again for listening in make sure you follow us on social media there on, on Twitter at League One Fun um, on everything but Apple for right now for our podcast is League One Fun Show uh, I think that's it guys thank you love you have a good week stop hating on me.